So this weekend, I was talking with my brother-in-law. It was Memorial Day here in the States, and we were having a family picnic, which is the traditional thing to do here. And um, over hot dogs, we started talking about, you know, what was happening in his life. And he was telling me about this podcast that he was listening to about the rapture and how he finally understood the rapture for the first time that this guy was explaining to him, you know, things about the rapture. And he grew up in a different tradition than I did. And I had just said, you know, I don't know. I don't know that much about the rapture. That's just not something we talk about in the Presbyterian Church. And that got me to thinking about why. Why is it that certain traditions talk about certain, emphasize certain aspects, while other traditions don't emphasize that? And in this case, I got to thinking that the Presbyterians don't talk about the rapture or the end of days, or the judgment very much, because we believe in the idea of salvation by grace through faith. Now, the first theologian to really write about this was St. Augustine. He was, he, was a, he was a a major thinker in the third century in Egypt. He wrote several great books. One of them, The City of God, is a foundation text in a lot of political science classes, but he also wrote a book called The Confessions. And in The Confessions, he put forth the idea that what the Bible teaches us about our salvation, the way that we are freed from our sin, the way that we are saved by God, was not through any act of our own. Augustine believed that we are fallible humans and that if it was up to us, if grace and salvation, if God's actions depended upon our grace, our ability to to do the right thing, that we would always fail because we are we are covered in sin. And that the Bible tells us that what actually happens is that God saves us through God's own action, that God extends grace to us through no action of our own, just God, that God reaches out to us and, and claims us. And all we have to do is nothing, is to exist. Now, they had a lot of... Um, a lot of people who fought back against that. The most famous theologian who fought back against that was a guy named Pelagius. Pelagius argued that we have free will. And in free will, we have the ability to choose the good. And that even when we choose bad, that is in itself good. That it's good to choose bad sometimes because without bad, there can be no good. We need those, those dual things. And so in the 12th century, a Catholic reformer, Thomas Aquinas, came along and said, no, that that's not really how it works, that, um, that God's grace is extended to us and that God is hoping, is, is working towards making all things good, that God's ultimate goal is for everything to be good and bad is bad and good is good, which sounds obvious, but it was a it was a revolutionary thought at the time. There were there were several folks. The Manichaeans were walking around talking about light and dark and how you need both sides of the world, that you need God and you need the devil. And so both are essential and good in, in their essentialness. And we think that the story we've always been told is that the Reformation, Martin Luther's main complaint was about corruption in the church. But it goes deeper than that. Martin Luther did complain about corruption in the church, but he also complained that the Catholics that started to teach the idea that you had to produce good works, that in order to be saved, you have to do something. You have to go to Mass. 
You have to pay for indulgences. You have to pray every day. You have to confess your sins and have them absolved by a priest. These were the major teachings of the, of the Catholic Church in their theology. And so he didn't just have a problem with the corruption of the church. He also had a problem with the theology of what they were teaching about how it meant to how it was you got to be saved. And so Luther said and claimed and made a big statement and stink about the idea, this reclamation of the idea that you are saved through grace. And that's it. That there's nothing you have to do to earn grace. There's nothing you have to be, no one you have to be, no way you have to do anything to earn grace. You just are given grace. And that was really the biggest factor in the Reformation. If it had just been Luther who had this idea, it would have simply been a breaking away of the German church. There would have been a little Lutheran world and a Catholic world and things would be fine. But at the same time, or very shortly after, there was another reformer, John Calvin. And in the Presbyterian tradition, he founded the Reformed tradition, which the Presbyterians come out of. And John Calvin took it a step further. And what he said is that you are saved by grace. God acts first. God, who is sovereign, who is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-everything, acts and extends you grace and chooses you, picks you up and chooses you. And that you are given the gift of faith as a result. That faith is a gift. Now, I have friends who who don't have faith, who are not believers, who are not strong faith. And it's not through any um, desire of their own. They just say they aren't wired that way. They have a, a struggle with this idea of faith. And they want to have faith. They want to believe. They, they try to believe, but they just don't have, they don't feel like they have a divine impulse. And Calvin would say that that means that, um, that, God has not called them to be part of the elect of the church. God can still save them. God can still extend the grace, but they don't have a response of faith. And Calvin expected this. Calvin said that that was going to be a part of the population, that some people are just not going to be able to respond in faith. And so what this has become is this battle between grace and free will. How are you saved? Are you saved because you came to believe that you are you saved because you came to believe because you responded to to a faith that you said at some point I believe in Jesus and you choose to believe in Jesus and you say the right words and you do the right things and and you behave the correct way and you are a good person and you do all of the things and is that how you're saved? Or are you saved by God's grace? And all of those things, the, the going to church, the praying, the doing good works, all of that is a response to God's grace. It's not the cause of it. And so in reality, free will and God's grace are not competitors. In fact, I would argue that those who talk about free will you still have to have a spark, and that spark is God's grace. And so you're not saved by, by the response. 
The actions themselves don't do anything for you. They help you grow in faith. They help you become a better Christian. They help you get closer to God. They help you to live a better life. But they don't save you. Because what that does, what that claim says, is that Christ's death was not sufficient. That when Christ died on the cross, it wasn't sufficient for all of us. That we have to do part of it. And I don't know about you, but if it were up to me some days, my salvation would be in question. If it wholly depended upon my response of faith, totally depended upon, if it totally depended on my ability to do good works, to think of the right things, to do good things, then there are days when my salvation would not be assured. And so this claim of salvation by grace is really just a claim that God has acted on our behalf, that God came to the world as a child, lived this life and died and was resurrected on our behalf as a, as a symbol, as a representation of what God's grace looks like, that God's grace looks like God's action for you on your behalf. And that gives us the freedom to respond through acts of faith, to respond by good works, to respond in songs of joy and songs of despair and songs of lament. It means that I don't have to worry about the rapture. I don't have to worry about the end of days. I don't have to worry about what happens when I die. Salvation by grace means that I need to worry about this life, about the people around me, about our neighborhood and our community. And it frees me up because I don't have to worry. God has saved me. Thank God it doesn't rely on me. God bless you.